give voices. Everybody is exercising their vocal cords and praising the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? Praising the Lord with our voices. I tell you what, if the whole world would, would praise the Lord with their voices, wow, what would be a wonderful sound. But it will be one day, one day, in the courts of heaven, when the saints of all the ages will be singing, you know, the songs of Zion to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can you imagine the sound? Can you imagine that? What a day there will be. All right, okay. Second Kings chapter 18. We're getting close to the end of the, of the book. Second Kings chapter 18. Let's go there. Now, last week we learned about Israel going to captivity in Assyria, and now we're shifting to, to Judah. And let's see what's going on in Judah here. And chapter 18, now look at verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, I mean Hezekiah, I'm sorry, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother also, uh, name also was Hebat. Hebi, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right. Look, I like this verse. That, and, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, as we dissect this chapter, uh, Lord, uh, you put the lesson in my heart and help me to deliver the lesson uh, give us something, Lord, we can take out of it. We can apply it to our lives. We can make you Lord in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, folks. There's are many people in our world today who uh, like the New Testament, but don't like the Old Testament. And some of them go say, even say that, oh, well, the God of the Old is not the God of the New. And I say to these people, you are wrong. Because the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. It's the same Lord, same God. You know, actually most of the New Testament is quotations from the Old Testament. Okay, so you cannot have one without the other. If you just have a, uh, a New Testament, they say a New Testament Bible, that's not your complete Bible. That's just part of it. Okay? Uh, I have a new, little New Testament I use for witnessing. <laughs> but it's not my complete Bible. You know, it is... Uh, you got to have the, all the 66 books of the Bible. So, the name Hezekiah means the Lord strengthens, or sh- uh, the Lord's strength. And during his reign of 29 years, King Hezekiah needed God's strength to accomplish all that he did. Unlike, unlike Asa, Jehoshaphat, and Josiah, uh, his model was King David. Which means that while Hezekiah wasn't perfect, like David wasn't perfect, he did seek to obey God, the Lord, and please Him. You know, people say, well, this thing about, you know, David, he did so much wrong. Yes, he did, like you and, and I do. Right? <laughs> we're not perfect. I mean, we're not proud of it. 
I'm not going around and say, hey, nah, 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 I'm not perfect. I don't do that. I mean, when we think about it, it makes us sad, right? It's like, Lord, why didn't you take this sinful nature away from me the moment I got saved so I don't have to keep sinning against you? You know, it, it, it's just who we are. We're sinners. You know, we sinners by birth. We carry that sinful nature in us, and that sinful nature loves the pleasures of this world. It's tempted by Satan, and Satan gets the best of us many times. But you know what? But those like David, even David did some bad stuff, and we have confessed that he did, because we read about it. You know what? His heart is that was after God. His heart was after God. He, he acknowledges sin. He confesses sin before the Lord. And Hezekiah right here seems to be one of those guys. So he restored temple worship and encouraged the people from both Judah and Israel to come to the temple in Jerusalem to worship the Lord. So the Lord had commanded that there be one central place of worship, and that was at Jerusalem. So the sequence of events in Hezekiah's life is, as recorded in Scripture uh, is not a... Uh, uh, strictly chronological here, but we will we'll get it, okay? So most students agree that the events recorded in, in Isaiah 38 and 39 is illness and is welcome uh, to the Babylonian ambassadors uh, actually uh, and annotated the Assyrian invasion. So we don't know. I mean, we're not going to dwell on these dates anywhere. We're just going to look at chapter 18. But we will take this approach as we study Azekiah's life and ministry and seek to integrate the material in Kings, Chronicles, and Isaiah because it talks about the same events. Actually, I was thinking Brother Tom today uh, before the service, he would say First and Second Chronicles is almost like almost a repetition of First and Second Kings. Actually, a lot of preachers, and I use a lot of First and Second Chronicles because it's the same stories. You know, we can go to First and Second Chronicles and, and do a whole study on it, but it's gonna, you're going you're gonna to say, oh, Pastor already preached about this. Pastor already preached about it. Because it's the same stories, okay? Uh, so it's not, like it, it, it's not like it's insignificant. They're very important to us, you know? And sometimes the Lord lay in our hearts to preach from those, those, uh, past, uh, those books as well. But anyway, um, now, think we're here, uh, uh, things were not that good in Israel, of course. The people have forgotten their God, and we talked about this last week, and they were worshiping the gods of the land. And the Lord was about to do something drastic in Judah as well. What happened last week? We talked about Israel was in exile to, to uh, Assyria. And all the nine, the ten tribes of Israel. So now Judah is in the same path. All right, Judah is the same path. And why they came to this? Because what they did, they did not, they didn't keep this side of the bargain, so to speak. God made a covenant with them, and God never broke His covenant. They did. And in the, but listen, folks, we have to keep in mind here, here something because people misunderstand the Old Testament. Okay. You say, oh, God, well, look, 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 you're so harsh with the people. Listen, this was a continual year after year for over 200 years, sinning against God, the same thing and even worse. It got progressively worse to the point, the Bible says, they include God amongst their gods. So God was one of their gods. And God was the one who brought them out of Egypt God is the one who protect them through all those years. God is the one who put them in the promised land. God is the one who give them, the, give them food to eat and water to drink and all that. And they forgot their God. So this was a continuation of continued sin and got progressively worse. And God said, you know what? Even in the end, God says, if you repent. Can you imagine? After all that, God says, I will forgive you. 
But it did not. Then it went to, uh, to Assyria. Now, we see Judah here going in the same path. Okay, so. So, uh, let's go. Okay. So, the folks, uh, Israel's situation was not an overnight thing, like I said. It was a continuation. We need to keep in mind that if a child of God continues to live in wickedness and rebellion, there come a day on which God's grace and mercy runs out. The same thing for us. We are the children of God. And if we continue day after day, year after year, progressively get worse and worse and wicked and wicked and evil, you know what? God said, I'm going to come after you. You're disgracing my name. So the Lord put a stop in it. And that's what we see here about to happen to Judah as well. So the situation is so bad that it looks like all hope is lost here. There are many times in life, uh, in life when it looks like all hope is lost as well, isn't it? Ever been there? There's no, no, no chance for reversal sometimes. There's no hope for change. There's no way that we're going to get through this. We say many times, you, said, you say, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I give up. I don't know how I'm going to live any longer. This mountain is too big. I cannot go up this mountain. I don't know what to do. Ever been there? I think all of us been there. Okay? So Israel has been captured by, by Assyria. And it's been removed from the land. And the last king of Judah appears to be the worst they had, have had to this point. He, he's dis, he dismantled the temple, selling, uh, selling off anything of value that was in the temple. Can you imagine? Listen, folks. The house of God should be a house of beauty. You say, well, let me tell you. We don't worship the beauty of the, of the house of God. But the, the house of the Lord should be presentable. I believe that. should be presentable. Should be a place, you know, where God's people meet together. You know, you know what? Uh, we go to that sanctuary over there. We're going to worship the Lord there. You know, we should never take a look. Oh, maybe too much beauty in the house of God. Maybe too many things. I don't go there. The house of God should be clean, presentable, nice, smell good. So people come in and say, wow, these people have something going on here. And when we worship, boom, we worship the Lord. That's the way it should be. You know, and I like, you know. That should, that way, that's the way it should be. You know, I'm going to fix this carpet. I'm sorry. Okay. But that's the way it should be. You know what? That's the way they be the house of the Lord. Now, these guys go in the house of the Lord, and they take everything out of there. How sad. Can you imagine if you come here Sunday and all the pews are gone? All the chairs are gone. You say, Pastor, what happened? Oh, I don't know. I just put them outside. We're going to just sit, sit around, and, 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 you know, and that's it. No more. Si no. So, uh, he did this mental the temple. Yeah, they, yeah, they have uh, Israel had offered his son as an offering to the idolaters God. They burn his kids. Good night. I mean, Judah appeared to be following Israel down the same path of destruction. Could things get better? Folks, when things are so bad, can things change around? We have a God that can, think cha can change things around. Folks, our world's not getting any better. But the king of kings is coming. He's going to make things much better. You follow that? We say, well, this world is, we can live in this world. This world is getting all, uh, worse and worse. That is true. Don't be surprised. It's going to get worse. It's going to get even worse than it already is. You know what? Even the Bible says, when I come, will I find faith upon the earth. You know what? It's going to get worse and worse. So be, don't be surprised. But it's coming one. It's going to change, take everything and change everything around. So, 
the situation is hopeless over here. The situation is so bad, but God is good. You follow that? But God is good. Let's look at this uh, from several points tonight, okay? Number one, a new king named Hezekiah. Look at verse one. And now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. You know, God comes, shows up at the, always at the right time. This coming, there is a coming proof that many times in the midst of chaotic situation, God places a person and things change for the better. What we see here in Judah is one man named Hezekiah shows up on the scene and the new king of Judah and things immediately began to change. You know the, uh, uh, you know, the times in which we, we think or, uh, uh, and even speak that we cannot make a difference, but let me tell you, it takes one person to make a difference. One person. So we say, it doesn't matter if I show up or when I don't show up, I don't make a difference. Yes, you do. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? All right. You use a home. You don't want to go to church. You say, ah, nobody knows me there. Nobody cares about me. and Nobody will miss me. Show up in the church and somebody sees your face and smiles. You just made a day for somebody. You follow that? Oh, you can come to church all sad and down, you know, and, and somebody smile at you, and that's the, what you needed. You know, we can make a difference. I said, Pastor, how can you compare that to a king? Well, he made a difference. The people going the wrong way, he shows up on the scene. Guess what? People follow him. They say, oh, what's the use living for the Lord? Nobody listens anymore. You live for the Lord. We sing the song, I have decided to what? Follow Jesus. And you know what? No turning back. Even if it's just me, I'm going to keep following him. You're not just you. But anyway, I'm going to keep following him. You know what? If you want to follow me, follow me. But I'm following him. We can make a difference as King Hezekiah did. Okay? So, look what it says in verse 3. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all David his father did. He didn't do what... Other, the other kings did. He didn't follow uh, up the popularity of the time. The first person to be compared favorable to David since King Asa, recorded all the way back to 1 Kings 15, nearly 200 years early. It was a been two, it's been 200 years since the king has been described as doing right like David had done. He removed the high places and tear down the idols and they were brought, up, brought to the land. But I want you to listen the. uh, uh the end, I mean, the, uh, the end of verse 4 right here, which is stunning. Look what it says in verse 4. He break the pieces of the brazen serpent that Moses made. For unto those uh, days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. You follow that here? This is a sad thing that the children of Israel were doing. Alright, why was that serpent made in the first place? Look and live! Because they were bitten by serpents. And God told Moses to make the serpent so they could look and live. Why are you going to worship a stick? A serpent. Put on the stick. Why are they doing that? You wonder why the Lord says, 
Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Because if we knew the way the Lord looked up, or Jesus looked up, we probably would make statues everywhere. And, you know, and put incense and all kinds of stuff to the statue. Because that's how we are as humans. Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. The children of Israel were worshiping the serpent over here. Can you imagine that the bronze serpent from Numbers 21 became an idol to the people? The bronze serpent on which God had given to the people through Moses to rescue the people from the venom of those poisonous snakes had turned into an idol of worship. We had no idea that this had been going on from the days of wandering in the wilderness all the way now until here, Ezekiah. How long they've been doing that? We don't know. But it's truly unbelievable. But maybe it's not, uh, it's not as surprised as we think. This is the human condition. This is the way we are as humans. We take the blessings of God and turn them into idols. We take God's wonderful gift and turn them into objects of worship. We take our wealth and devote ourselves to it. We take things that God blesses us with and turn them into idols that we value and prize above God himself. Folks, that is wrong. Don't worship the church. Worship the creator. Don't worship the pews. Worship the Lord. Oh, goodness. Don't worship each other. Worship the Lord. You see my, my thing on Facebook this week? We need to be careful because when we come here, I don't care if it's one. I don't care if it's five. I don't care if it's 500 people here. We come here for the audience of one. To God be the glory. It's amazing what's going on. Somebody tell, told me this week, he said, Pastor, I've been in many churches, and with these guys, it's like this even, they even seem disinterested. Oh, goodness, the time I lose my interest in the Lord, I better just step down. It's got to be, you know, you believe. I, I tell you what, folks, listen. I love the Lord as my Savior. I'm a student of God's Word. And my goal is to Teach you what God says in His Word. So you can love Him too. That's it. So we can worship Him together. I want you to know God's Word. Why do you think I'm going through the Bible? I want you to know Him. And commute with Him. So He can make a difference in your life. Ezekiah finally puts an end and then destroys the bronze serpent. Yeah, way to go, Ezekiah. I would high-five you if I was there. <laughs> Ezekiah does what prior kings were unwilling to do. He trusted in the Lord and there was no, uh, no one like him who did that before. He held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from the Lord's command. So the Lord was with him and gave him success whether he went. He looks like David as he defeats the Philistines all the way to, into Gaza. The rest of the, of the chapter, the chapters are going to talk about specific incidents. On the life of Hezekiah, we're looking to it. So we see a new king in, in Israel, a man that God put there, and he made a difference. Praise the Lord for those who make a difference, isn't it? Praise the Lord. You know, you listen, you don't have to be the pastor to make a difference. We all can make a great difference in the house of the Lord. We can. Okay, number one, the new king named Hezekiah. Number two, the crisis of Hezekiah. So crises and difficulties happens to all of us, even to the most rich person in the land. No one is immune to problems and tribulations of life. Sometimes they come on bucket falls, right? 
Sometimes you get one problem knocking on the door, you close the door, and the bell rings, and another one's ready to come in. And you go, wow, I got to how about you had one sitting in the sofa here? Oh, I'm sitting on the other side of the sofa. You close the door, and, and another knock on the door, and you open up and say, I'm trouble, I'm coming in. I'm going to sit in your kitchen. And before you know, you got the whole, fu- the whole house full of trouble. What happened to you? A bucket full. <laughs> it happens to all of us. And you say, oh, my, when this is going to end? But you know what? So did Hezekiah. Even though Hezekiah followed the footsteps of David, he still had problems. Let me tell you, folks, no one is immune to problems. All of us face problems in life. The thing is, how do we face problems? Yelling at problems don't resolve the problem. You got that? It doesn't resolve the problem. The problem doesn't go away. You know how we resolve the problem? We sit down. We think about it. We pray. Lord, please help me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do here. But I need your help. You know, I don't know what I'm going to go about it, but I need your help. You know, amazingly, we try to resolve the problem without consulting with the Lord. That's what Hezekiah did. But anyway, we're going to see about it. So look at verse from 9 all the way to verse 12. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that, uh, whatever name this guy is, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they took it, even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that in the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel and Assyria and put them in uh, Aleh and Abur uh, by the river of Gozan and, and in the city of the Midis, of the Mids, I'm sorry. Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but trespassed his covenant. And all that Moses, uh, that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded would and would not hear them, nor do them. So, letter A, a decision driven by fear. Folks, it don't matter how spiritual you may be. Fear is part of the human makeup. We all experience fear. We all experience fear one time or another. Let me ask the question. Did you ever been afraid, Robert? Every day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who's this wise guy over here that never been afraid? See, we all experience fear, right? Sometimes, really, you ever been so fearful that you were shaking? Of course, we humans. We humans. Happen we I mean we can just sit down right now and just tell about our fears, you know. Oh this day and this day, oh this day, oh this day, you know. I mean, you know, it happens, okay? So King Hezekiah look like all of us uh, experience moments of fear. Uh, but sometimes like all of us, in moments of fear, instead of looking to God, we take our eyes off the Lord and put our eyes on the circumstances of the moment. And petrified by fear. Uh, we, uh, we make the wrong decisions as Hezekiah did. So his decision that is we're going to look about was driven by fear. He was fearful of the enemy. He was fearful of the confrontation. He was fearful that Judah was going to have the same destiny that Israel had. He was, for, he was fearful for all his life. 
So Israel, I mean, Syria had marched against, against Israel, uh, captured, Samaria, uh, uh, captured Samaria, the capital, and deported the people to Israel. So in verse 13, we see that once Assyria was done with Israel, they turned their attention to Judah, attacking and capturing their fortified cities. We see this in verse 14, uh, verse 13, all the way to verse 16. I'm not going to read those verses again, but it's interesting. Unfortunately, Ezekiah's first step is the wrong step. Ezekiah pays the king of Assyria to leave the land of Judah. Listen, folks. Uh, don't, make, don't make peace treaties with the enemy. You follow that? You invite the enemy to sit with you. The one who wants to decapitate you. All right? You invite the enemy to make a peace treaty with you. And he's looking at you and he's going, oh, you're going to die. And you go, well, I want to make a peace treaty with you. Okay, because you're fearful. Ezekiah forgot the Lord, and because of fear, he tried to make a peace treaty with Assyria. Okay. Satan is a thief, a liar, and a murderer. Do you want to make a peace treaty with such a person or being? But Christians try to do. I'm like, why are you going to make a peace treaty with a liar, a murderer, and a thief? Satan, today, no war. All right? Just take a break. Go to a coffee shop somewhere. I'm going to have a nice day over here. We meet tomorrow. Right. It doesn't happen, folks. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be silly here. I'm trying to be very simple. Because you know what? He's constantly at war. Give you, I'll give you a story. It was a Christian and a non-Christian walking by themselves. This is a story, okay? This is not true. But it's just, just to convey the moment. A Christian and a non-Christian walking. Satan come in the opposite way. And the non-Christian got so afraid of him, hide behind the Christian. And he goes, oh, I don't want to. And, uh, and a Christian looks back and says, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of Satan. And I said, he's not after you, he's after me. Isn't that what it is? He already have you. He's not going to mess with you because he already have you, but he's after you, the Christian. That's why the Bible says, be vigilant. Because you adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion seeking about who he may devour. Do you ever see lions? I love to see wildlife. Those little, you know, just watch it. The way they attack. They sneak. They sneak. And when the animal is not looking, boom, they come up. That's what Satan does. So why make peace treaties with peace, peace treaties with the enemy? Not pastries. Peace, peace treaties with the enemy. So letter A, uh, do I give you letter A? We say, a, yes, letter B. An unwanted result, verse 17 uh, to verse 19. Just imagine Hezekiah for fear of the Assyrian king, and for fear of his life and the life of his people took the gold out of the Lord's house to give to the pagan king so that he could leave him alone. But things didn't work the way he planned The Assyrians did cap as their side of the bargain and came to siege the people of Judah again. The payoff didn't work at all. Before we Listen folks, before we make quick decisions, we should consult the Lord first. 
Folks, the truth is that it never works when we deal with those types of people without consulting the Lord. Listen, this guy was uh, one of the conquered Judah. And, he, you know, he appeased them for a little time. They probably sat in their court and said, ha, 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 let's go take him. Listen, folks, in the battles of life, give it to the Lord. But pastor, he's not listening to me. Yes, he is if you talk to him in faith. God loves you that much. You angry? Go to the Lord. He will calm you down. You enrage? He will calm you down. Oh, pastor, I don't believe that. Try it. Get your faith in and try it. See if it works or not. It does work. So he don't want the result right here. He stripped the house of the Lord to give it to a pagan king. And as a result, it's not the way he wanted. They're coming back. Listen, the enemy never leaves. They keep coming back. So what are we going to do? Strip the house of God to give it to the enemy? Absolutely not. So what are we going to do? uh, 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 Get our standards down so we're afraid of the enemy? Absolutely not. So we're going to open the doors of the church and let the enemy come in and have a a feast with us? No. It's not going to happen. He said, but pastor, if we want a lot of people in the church, we got to do that. It don't matter if we have one or two. It really don't matter. Because if we're in the center of God's will, do what God called us to do, then we are good. You know what? Who was the man that preached for 120 years and got no converts? All right. His name is in the Bible. We didn't hear him complaining, Lord, I don't have nobody in this ark to give any animals. There was enough people in there. And God took care of all of them. All of them. So I don't want the result right here. Number three. We see a, uh, a lying tongue. Look at verse 25. And now come up. Uh, I'm sorry. Am I not come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Of course, this is the messenger of Assyria that's coming up. And this guy is trying to tell that God told them to go destroy the land of Israel. Or the land of Judah. You know what? Let me tell you folks. This world is full of voices and full of deceiving lying tongues. May you be aware of lying tongues. Okay? Listen. May we be students of God's words. That when lying tongues come about, we say, you liar. I said, get your doctrine and go lie somewhere else. He said, that's harsh words, Pastor. Jesus sometimes was harsh. Tell him the truth. Then he called the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, hypocrites and vipers. I don't think he said that in hate. He said that because he, he, he was telling them the truth. They needed to hear that so they could turn to God. You know, lying tongues. This, this guy comes and says, oh, your God told me this. Okay. People, you, every time they open their mouth, they open with lies and deceit. The people of Judah knew this, this messenger of, of the king of, of Assyria was a liar. And they knew that. Let me tell you, folks. You know, it amazes me. 
There was a time on which when people lied, they got a little rosy, a little uncomfortable. Their voice would break down a little bit. Today, they lie right in your face like it's just like truth. And you looked at them, you go, and your mind is going, you're such a liar. All right, okay, I'm, I'm listening to you. Whatever <laughs> happened to you is just me. I get it all the time. So the people of Judah know this, this messenger was not telling the truth. His message that is that of a, of a doom. That means like they don't, they didn't believe that. You will be eating your own dung and drink your own urine if you do not surrender. Chapter 18, verse 27. The, the Assyrians call to the inhabitants of Jerusalem to not, to not listen to Hezekiah, but to surrender to Assyria. If you surrender, then you will take will take you to a new land where you can have food and drink, but you will die here if you don't surrender. Isn't that what Satan promised all of us? If you just surrender to me, I'm going to make you so happy. I'm going to I'm going to give you a nice land. You know what? It's hell. It's not a nice land. But people believe that. And they go, I want to go to hell because there's my friends, there's my guitars and my drums. We're going to have a grand old time. They're deceived. They are deceived. They listen to the voice of a liar and a thief and a murderer. I don't know about you, but I don't like when people threaten me. This guy was threatened the people of Israel. I don't like to be threatened. When people threaten me, I put all my guards right up. Do you like to be threatened? Some people got very fearful when they got threatened. They shrink. They're afraid. Don't be afraid what men can do to you. We are in the hands of the Lord. But to just be afraid of threats? No. I put my guards right up. This messenger of Assyria came with lies and threats. And he was expecting the people to listen to him. Letter D. We see a provoking statement. Look at verse 33. Had any of the gods, look what it says. Oh, any out of the gods of the nation deliver all this land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? He's, he's questioning them. Who are they among all the gods of the countries that had delivered their country out of mine hand? That the Lord should deliver is Jerusalem out of my hand. Oh, he don't want to say that. He's not provoking the people of Judah. He is provoking God here. You cannot do this. Well, in short, no God can stop me. Not even your God. That's what he's saying. The king of Assyria and his messengers step over the line here with their words. They were not attacking the people anymore. They were attacking Jehovah God. The pride and the arrogance of this people was so high, they had no fear, no respect, no care for, for the God of Israel anymore. They compared Jehovah to all the gods of the nation. You actually were that gods. And they said, your God cannot do anything just like the other ones. I'll tell you folks. People mock Jesus, people curse Jesus, people mock God, people curse Jehovah, people do all kinds of things. But when they step over the line, they better watch out. 
Because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Right. Observing the evil and the good. God knows and God sees and God hears. You know what? May we, think, we think sometimes we're so strong that we can even defeat God. That's a wrong place to be. So, a wise response, letter E. Look at verse 30, says, But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandments was saying, Answer him not. So this Assyrian came into Jerusalem with a lying tongue and with threats. If the people were to interact with them, there would be no end to the threats and the lies. So the best treatment was to give them the silent treatment. By doing that, they obeyed the king and showed this man the end, the king of Assyria, that the people of Judah was behind their king and behind his leadership. They, the king said, do not answer, and they obeyed the king. You know, you know what? They did right. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes the best treatment we can give the enemy is the silent treatment. That's sometimes the best treatment we can give in the silent treatment. One of the greatest motivations and encouragement of a leader is when he sees those who is, who is leading, listening to him, and following his leadership. Can you imagine when Jesus had that preaching and, and everybody departed from him? Can you imagine how that hurt the heart of our Savior? When he looked at his disciples and he says, you're going to leave me too? Can you imagine how broken he was that they, everybody abandoned him? In his humanity, I believe the Lord Jesus was broken. Hezekiah saw that the people of Judah was right behind him. What a wise response. Alright, point number three. The response of Hezekiah. From chapter 19, verse 1 to 9, we jump to chapter 19. What will Hezekiah do at this time? Will he try to pay more money like he did the first time? Will he turn Egypt uh, to Egypt uh, uh, to help uh, like the kings of, of, uh, of Israel did? Look what it says in chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes and covered himself in sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Okay, folks. That's what we need to do. When life hurts, when troubles come, when the enemy is attacking, I need to go to the house of God. Some people is like this. When troubles hurt, when, when life hurts, instead of running to the house of God, they're running away from God. How sad. When life hurts, we shouldn't run to the Lord, not away from the Lord. If we really have faith, if we have a solid rock faith in God, we run to Him. You say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand, but I need you right now. Azekiah didn't do the same thing that he did before. You know why? Because he learned from his mistake. Isn't that good when we learn from our mistakes? It's wonderful. Listen, some people, they make a mistake. Then they come again, they make another mistake, they hit the wall head on, and they go and hit it again, and you say, oh, this, is, this feels good. It doesn't, folks, it hurts. Then you head against the wall and see if, it, if, it's, if it's nice. And actually, bang your head hard. You might have a little poop coming out of here. Because it hurts. 
But people do it. And they do it over and over again. You know what Zechariah did? He rented the house of the Lord. He had a right. You know, Lord, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm going to do business. I'm going to give this people to you. Letter A, under that third point, uh, he said he looked for God, for godly help. Look what it says in verse 2. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the house of Shebna, the scribe and elder of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. You see what? Where did he go? He went to look for a godly man for counseling. Isn't that good? Folks, we Christians have no business to go look for the guys in the bar to give us counseling. Or the guys in the job that live like God knows. You know, we look for somebody that is godly, somebody that has their brain on and they have, they trust the Lord, and you can see when you go talk to them, you know they're going to give you godly counseling because they have your best interest at hand. You follow that? He went to see Isaiah the prophet. That great? The first time he didn't do that. But this time he does. Look at the basic plea of Hezekiah. Hezekiah notes that Judah is doomed, but maybe the Lord heard the words of the Assyrian king who is mocking the living God and will rebuke the words that the, that the Lord has heard. Verse, chapter 19, verse 4. Hezekiah ho hope is that the Lord will act because the power and glory of the Lord has been ridiculed by the Assyrian king. Don't you, don't you glad when you approach a Christian godly person for advice and you end up rejoicing that you did because of the encouraging words that was given to you? I think Hezekiah was glad that he, sent, that he sent someone to see Isaiah the prophet because the words he received, it was very encouraging words. Look at uh, uh, chapter 19 verse 6. And Isaiah said to them, Thus shall ye uh, say to your master, Thou said the Lord, be not afraid, for the words which thou hast heard, which, uh, uh, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. I say, don't be afraid of their words. You know why? Because God heard it too. Let me tell you this. When your enemies talk bad about you, God hears. God hears those words too. When the enemy trashes you and, and, and blaspheme your name, God hears too. And when the enemy blasphemes the name of your God, God hears too. You follow that? God heard the same thing too. Let it be. He faced a test of fate in verse 19 of chapter 19. So now Hezekiah is put to test. Will you believe the word of the Lord that came through the prophet Isaiah? Or will, will you believe that there was no hope at, in Jerusalem uh, and Jerusalem was going to fall? To make Hezekiah's decision more difficult, the Assyrian commander tells Hezekiah to not let his God deceive him to think that he is not going to be destroyed if he does not surrender. Luke 19 verse 10, Thou shalt thou shall ye speak to Hezekiah king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God in whom thou trusted deceive thee. Can you imagine that? Saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. These people are so certain that nobody could help them, not even God. 
when we don't believe that God can now help us, is our faith is about this little and this small. Can God help us? <laughs> yes, He can. Yes, He can. The God of Hezekiah is our God. Same powerful. He didn't lose any power. Still the same powerful God. He faced the test of faith. Letter D. Or C, I'm sorry. He took it to the Lord. What does Hezekiah do? Hezekiah goes to the temple. But rather than plundering the temple like the, all the other kings did in the past, he uses the temple like Solomon said to do. He humbly goes to the presence of God and he prays. Not only does he pray, but he prays on the basics of God's glory so that he, so the world would see that there is only one God and he is the Lord. Look what it says in verse 14. And Hezekiah received the ladder of the hands of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth, be, dwelleth I'm sorry, between the cherubims, the art, the God, even thou alone of all the kingdom of the earth has made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, O Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which had sent, uh, sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the king of Assyria had destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for there are no gods but the work of men's hands, wooden, uh, wooden stone, therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of this, uh, his hands, that all the kingdom of the, or kingdom, kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. That's a basic prayer right here. He just op he opened the ladder, he put it before the Lord, and he took to the Lord. And so, Lord, that's who you are. That's what he, this guy have done. He was telling the truth. Now, Lord, he blasphemed your name. Show the world who you are. Sometimes I mean to do, Lord, show the world who you are. I don't know, there's a lot of faith in here. King Hezekiah had a, had, a, this, had a right this time. He knew that no one could help him this time but the Lord. He knew that without the Lord's help, Judah was doomed to fall. So he takes it before the Lord. He made a mistake one time. He says, it's not going to happen again. Now I'm going to give it to God. That's what we need to do. When we bang the head against the wall, Oh, that hurts. I ain't going there and doing it again. Because it hurts. I'm going to the house of God. That's what I'm going to do. Listen, folks. Faith is the key here. Faith to search for God. Faith to open our heart and talk to Him. Faith. Let's go to point number four. The response of the Lord. You know what? When we pray in faith, wait for the answer. God's going to answer. Pastor, how is he going to answer? Here's what we need to do. Be sensitive to the voice of God. Be sensitive to the voice of God. We read his word and God's going to speak through it. He might speak right through a brother or sister. 
and they have no idea, no idea what's going on in your life, and they say something, and you go, is the answer right there. You follow? It happens. Believe me, I'm telling you this because it happened to me. More than once. It's not coincidence. It's God speaking to us and God uses His people and uses His word or a teaching or a preaching of God's word and He gives us the answer in the midst of all that. But we have to be sensitive to that still small voice because He speaks to us. The Lord's first response, letter A. From verse 20 to verse 28. The first part in verse 20 to 28. Notice that God says to Assyria. Who do you think you are mocking and mocking me? You have mocked the Lord by saying. It is my chariots, my power, my wells and my actions that all this happened. You think that is through your, your power that you're doing this? Look at verse 25 and verse 26 of chapter 19. Has thou not heard long ago how I have done it? And of the ancient times I have formed it? Now have I brought it to pass that thou should, shouldest be no lay waste fence cities into ruins heaps? Verse 26. Therefore the inhabitants were of small power. They were dismayed and confounded. They were as the grass of the field and as the green herb, and as the grass of the housetops, and as the corn blasted before it be grown up. See, it is not your power, but God's power that this is happening. I planned that you would turn the fortified cities into heaps and ruins. You're boasting in vain because the only reason you have any success or power is because God made it so. Because you raged against the Lord, I will turn you back the way you came. Let it be the second, the Lord's second response. Finally, God declares, assigned to Azekiah, the nations will continue growing plans for years to come. Not only, the, not, not only this, but there will be a remnant that will survive, take root and bear fruit, because out of Jerusalem shall come a remnant of God's people. Look at verse 29 of chapter 19. And there shall be a sign unto thee, of course, look at Azekiah, and he shall eat, this year such things as grow of themselves in the second year, now which springeth of the same. And in the third year shall ye uh, and reap and plant vineyards and eat the fruits thereof. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall ye, ye again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth and a remnant and they shall escape out of the Mount of Zion. To the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. So not only God, not only this, God says in verse 31 that the king of Assyria is not even going to shot an arrow in his city. He's not going to besiege the city. He's not going to take the city. He's not going to make any war against the city. You know why? Because now is the Assyrian king against God. Who made that personal? The king of Assyria. He provoked God. And God says, okay. Listen, folks. When you go out there and you represent and you're living for the Lord and people persecute you, 
You know who they're they persecuting? Your God. That's who they're persecuting. Okay. When people gossip about you, trash your name, make all kinds of accusations about you, and you're innocent, and you choose not to defend yourself, you know why? Because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay it, saith the Lord. You know what? By faith, we give it to God and let God take care of them. And He does. And He does. I tell you, folks, let's look at verse 31 here. I don't have any of my things, shame on me here. But look at verse 19. And let's look at verse 31. What is verse 31? It says, for out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, verse 32. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city, nor shot an arrow, there nor come before it with a shield, or nor cast a, a, a bank against it. By the, by the way there he came, by the, by, the, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out, and smote the camp of the Assyrians, and a hundred and forty score and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. You see what happened here? Verse 36 says that, that he departed, the king departed to his own land. Look at verse 37. And it came to pass as he was worshipping in the house of Nashrod, his God, that uh, Adremelech, Adremelech and Sherezer, I believe, his son, smote him with the sword and they escaped into the land of Armenia, and uh, Asheradim, his son, reigned in his stead. See what happened to this king? Not only his army got killed by the angel of the Lord, but he ran home, and he died. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. When people persecute you, Accuse you and all those things. A lot of times the best thing to do is give them the silent treatment. And let God be God. Here's one thing that we can learn here. Don't bang your head against the wall. Give it to God. Write your problem on a piece of paper. Or on a notebook. Bring it before the altar in the house of God and spread it out. And say, Lord, this is what's going on with me right now. Let him know. He already knows. But express to him, express to him, and, and give it to him. God will take care of you. I conclude with this. We must never think that it is something that God cannot do. Our God can do anything. The scriptures teach plainly. Luke one thirty seven says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Jesus said, Matthew 19.26, With God all things are possible. 
Will we argue against this? No. Not only do we take it to the Lord in prayer because God can powerfully answer our prayers and nothing is impossible with Him, but also because God is in control. God is in control. Did you see the truth expressed by God to the prophet Isaiah right here? You know one thing is, Hezekiah was a godly king. Okay, he was a godly king. He made a mistake like all of us do. He said he consulted to the Lord, he got full of fear, and he went to the house of the Lord. He took things out to appease this, this pagan king. But this guy didn't, didn't want to settle. He wanted the whole land of Judah. He went back again. But this time, guess what? Hezekiah didn't go and bang his head against the, the wall. He went to the Lord. And that's what we need to do. We need to go give it to the Lord. Big problems, little problems, doesn't matter what it is. We by faith talk to the Lord and let God be God in our lives. Because you know what? God can do what we cannot do. Sometimes we think we can do everything. We can oh, resolve all this stuff. Yeah, you might want to resolve it, but not the way God wants or not the way you want it to come out and always come out the other way around. Give it to the Lord. Prayerfully give it to the Lord. Listen. What comes about this? And I close with this. Faith, not just faith, strong faith in God. That's what comes about this. Trusting God and leave the results to God. That's what Zechariah did here. You know what? Because God would take care of those who blaspheme His name. There was a guy there at my job, and he some, said some blasphemies, really blasphemies, really, really bad blasphemies. And he says, oh, oops, I didn't know you were here. I said, listen, be careful with your words. So I told him, be careful with your words. Because you are blaspheming your creator. Oh, you tried to scare me, so no, I'm warning you. Not scaring you, I'm warning you. Because what happens is that disrespect that people have towards God, so much disrespect and no shame at all towards God, that they think that God is about this small. But our God is a big God. A big God. I told him, be careful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the example of Hezekiah. Lord, we can learn from him not to keep banging our heads against the walls and repeating the same mistakes. Where we can go to your house and spread our problems before you and trust you by faith that you will take care of us as you did to Hezekiah. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.